there and just to remind it, the Bible says it pleased God to bruise his son Jesus. Well, I don't know, hardly understand that. God has given uh, Linda and I seven sons and two precious girls. I don't want them to hurt and to see what Christ did for us. He, God the Father, made him, God the Son, to be sin for us. Who? Himself. He knew no sin, but that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And, of course, when you think about Calvary, the cross, the nails in his hands, all that ought to bring us great gratitude, but it also ought to bring us great joy to know that he loved us so much that he would pay for our sin. You either go into eternity with your sin and a fair trial with the God who knows everything about you, or you go into eternity with uh, God's Son and a free pardon. And God has offered a free pardon. No one goes into the lake of fire. Uh, with God wanting it that way. He is not willing that any would perish or die that second death, but that all would come to repentance. And we should love the Lord Jesus and appreciate his salvation. If you're here without Christ today, I hope you'll come to know him as your Savior. We're in Luke chapter 8. We've been taking time. Forgive me, my voice is a little bit inhibited today. We're struggling with a little bit of um, illness. But thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for being a part of the service today. And I love you, and I'm glad I get to serve God with you. I'm glad we can go to the Bible and find answers to life and living. Though the words we've read are almost 2,000 years old, it's very applicable to us today. The Bible is a spiritual book. And while you read the Bible, it starts reading you. And Mark Twain, who probably did not come to know the Lord as his Savior, but he said it's not. What I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me is what I do understand about the Bible that bothers me. And it's not a mystical thing. And uh, the Bible's deeper than the bottom of the well. You can, you can might be able to master a history book or an Agatha Christie or Louis L'Amour, but you'll never master the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book. It's alive, and it reads you while you read it. And I'm so glad God gave us, as I meditated and thought about this passage of Scripture this week, of course, the book of Luke, just a quick reminder, was written by a man whose earthly job was that of a medical doctor. Luke was a physician, and uh, he was no doubt saved by the Lord, and he wrote two books of our Bible, two of the longest books of our New Testament, the book of Acts, and this book, the book of Luke. He's very detailed in the information that he shares with us, and God is so wise and so gracious that he gave us a book that is written by 40 different individuals moved by his Holy Spirit. The Bible is not written by man in that it's man's ideas. It's God's ideas, but he does use a human instrumentality, just like a pen that I wrote things uh, today on pieces of paper, and I've written letters this week with this pen. But it's just merely an instrument. No one will say, boy, that pen wrote me a great letter. No. The pen, the pen just moved on the page what I wanted it to say. And equally is true uh, with the Bible. God used human instrumentality. Some of them were farmers like Amos. Some of them were fishermen like Peter and James. Some of them were carpenters like James who wrote the book of James. And, and some were kings like David and Solomon. And some were scribes like Ezra. Some grew up in palaces like Moses. Others, uh, they, grew up in, they grew up in obscurity. 
But God has used different people to put together the scriptures. And it, you say, Pastor, how can I uh, find if there's really a true God? Well, you know, God has revealed himself in several ways. Number one, through creation. When you look at all that God made, that didn't just happen by an explosion somewhere. No, you don't get the beautiful colors of the fish in the Pacific Ocean. You don't get the sunrises and the sunsets by some explosion someplace. No, someone put that together. You don't get the human eye. Can you just imagine the human eye and all that has to develop within the womb of a mom? What's unbelievable. Only God could do that. And uh, creation shows the power of God. And the Bible says that the heavens and earth declare the glory of God. His firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, he reminds us of who he is through creation. Also through our conscience. Inside of us, I know there's a God. And you know there's a God. Uh, no one is born an atheist. The, they determine they're an atheist. They have to become one. Because in the heart of hearts, they know there's a God. God put it inside of our conscience. Through consequences and circumstances of life. We know there's a God who has been watching over and guiding their life. Anybody with any honesty can look back over their life and see the hand of God working in their lives, protecting them from peril, and then bringing about his revealed word and his revealed consequences when we do things wrong. That's the kind of God we have, and it's proof of that. And then God, in his real wisdom, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of God. Say, what does God look like? Well, no one has ever seen God at any time because God is a spirit. God the Father is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit himself is not visible, but the visible part of God is his son, Jesus Christ, and he has a body this very moment. He came here in a body, and uh, he is, you'll be able to see him. Uh, but God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to reveal uh, to us what God is like. And then the calendar, everywhere in the world, 2023, after what happened to Jesus when he came to the earth. We see that there. And then, of course, the canon of Scripture. The Bible is the revelation of God. It is, tells us who God is like. You don't want to worship a God of your own choosing. You don't want to say, well, my God's a doorknob. That's dumb. Uh, no, you want to know the God of the Bible. He reveals, he tells you how he thinks about things. In every page of the Bible, he gives his opinion, and you can see how he feels about things. And by the way, that's kind of the reason why God gave us a church and gave you a Sunday school teacher and a spiritual leader so that they could help us uh, watch for our souls. They watch for us to think and to feel and to desire what God wants us to do. Um, I, uh, I think that's one of the reasons God gave me pastors all through my life that have kind of given me back to ground zero and reminded me, because I, sometimes I have some stinking thinking. Sometimes I get, my, my, I get a little squirrely in my mind, in my desires, what I want and how I feel about things. And we get together in a Sunday school class, a discipleship class, uh, you get together in this room right here and across the street in our Spanish or over here in our Chinese ministry or tonight at a six o'clock service, we're going to get back on the ground zero to where God wants us to be, how he thinks and how he feels and what he wants. In the book of Luke, it's just one book of the Bible of the 66 books, and it's the eighth chapter. Let's look at it together. We find the Lord Jesus 
He has now assembled his 12 uh, apostles that are going to be, be with him. He's going to send them forth to preach. And now they're traveling. They have gone several places. And now we find that he is going to rural areas and to urban areas. Verse number one. Look at your Bible, if you would please, and read it out loud with me. Verse one. And it came to pass that afterwards that he went throughout every city and preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. So it opens up chapter 8 with this, and Jesus now, is, uh, he's in the middle of his ministry, probably about a year and a half into a three and a half year ministry. So two more years are left in his ministry, and he's going through urban areas of the cities and rural areas of the villages, and he is going about doing two things, preaching and showing. Show and tell is the best way to convince people that Jesus is real. It's the best way to pass on something. Now, I'm not talking about the show and tell you had on Friday afternoons at school, but I'm talking about living it out, telling it and showing it. Many times, children get very disenchanted with Christianity, not because of what Christianity says, but because of what they see other people have. I was witnessing to a man recently, and he was of a different faith. And he said, you know, the challenging thing to me, John, I showed him the gospel. I said, listen, would you, could I just share with you what Christianity teaches how to have eternal life? And he had a different paradigm altogether. Matter of fact, he was an instructor of his particular religion. He very graciously, I listened to him, and so he listened to me. At the end of it, he said, that makes a lot of sense, and there is some similarities to what I teach. However, the thing that discourages me is not what you just told me, but the lives of Christians who say they believe that but don't live it. It's a tragic thought. Gandhi said years ago after leaving the United States and going back to his country, he said, based upon what I understand about Christianity, I would become a Christian if it were not for Christians. That's terrible. That means that they got to know Christians and they did not live according to the dictates of God's word. That's why the Bible said, and Jesus said his own self, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All through the Bible, that's one of the reasons why you should work hard and be a good employee at work. Why? So that when God visits your boss and your coworkers one day about thinking about getting saved, they will be able to remember you and say, you know what? They lived it. And when you don't live it, when you get into the flesh and live in a, in a very sinful way, they'll use you and they'll use me as a reason to blaspheme the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, they'll have no excuse. Anybody who is good at making excuses is usually not good at anything else. And uh, you'll not be satisfied. And you're going to find hypocrites everywhere. Some people say, well, we're not going to go to church, a bunch of hypocrites here. It doesn't keep you away from Wrigley Field. <laughs> doesn't keep you away from the company. You've got hypocrites there too. Doesn't keep you away from Walmart. Lots of hypocrites at Walmart. You still go in there. Well, we can use all kinds of excuses. The truth of the matter is, I'll let you down. You'll let me down. We'll let down each other. But no one has ever been let down by Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is altogether lovely, and we can look to him, and I'm so glad for that. Well, he's going about with his 12 disciples, preaching and demonstrating the Christian life and telling and showing, 
And uh, he is going about in the communities and people are following him. Now look at verse number two. It's interesting here. But certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the life of Chusa, Harris' servants, and Susanna and many others, which ministered of them uh, unto him of their substance. Kind of interesting here. God uses two verses to tell us and exalt. It's interesting. The book of Luke, in more ways, he mentions 43 uh, times in his book about women and their role in the work of the Lord. And I thank God for that. You know, Christianity does not demean women. It actually elevates them. And that's true to the scriptures. But uh, women have a very important role. And here, the Bible tells us, and I think very specifically, he mentions three ladies, Mary, Susanna, and also uh, one more, Joanna. And these three ladies in particular, they had been delivered. One had been demon-possessed with a demon of seven different demons, and the Lord revealed and took those demons out of this lady, Mary Magdalene. And we know a little bit more about her. Now, Susanna, her husband worked in Herod Antipas's palace. There's no guarantee that he was a Christian, but no doubt she had been touched by the Lord sometime in her life, and her husband had a very lucrative job working for a king in the palace as his steward or his butler. And so he may or may not have been saved, but Susanna was saved. She, uh, she certainly, I'm sorry, Joanna was saved, and she uh, took the things that she had, and Susanna, we don't know much about her. We do know, we, don't, we know her name, but that's about it. But each of these girls had been forgiven and helped by Jesus, and they used their gifts and their strengths and their substance and poured them onto the ministry of Christ. If you could imagine Jesus, they had, the, the disciples had left their occupations. Matthew had left the IRS where he was collecting money for the Roman government. Um, Peter, James, and John left their nets and they followed Jesus. Everybody who had jobs had, had relinquished those jobs for three and a half years. And now we're following Jesus, preparing for a lifetime of sacrifice, of getting the gospel out. Well, where did they get their money? Jesus said to the Son of Man, hath no place to even lay his head. He said, uh, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests and I don't even have a place to call my own. But he had his needs met. And part of that is because of faithful ladies who had been given uh, their substance and provided for Jesus. We see when he came to Jerusalem for the feast that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus prepared things for Jesus. I think we need a reality check and a revival of hospitality. Using what God has given you for the benefit of others and especially those who are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll take offerings for our guest speakers that will come, that will come by here for a little bit and make their way to another place. And I want to thank you for being generous. Some folks will take folks out or some will have pastors that will come and people that will come that are missionaries and things of that nature and we'll encourage them. That's as biblical as the Bible is true. And it's right. God has given us things to share and don't be a, don't be a can, be a funnel. Don't be a bucket, be a channel of God's grace to other people. These ladies had received blessings from the Lord and they didn't, they used what God had given them. No, they weren't going to be preaching messages behind pulpits. 
but they could do what God had made them good at doing. I think about this when I think about the church at Philippi. If you have a book of the Bible that you're familiar with, you might know the book of Philippians, only four chapters. But from that church, Apostle Paul had been supported throughout his entire ministry. And you might remember the early members of that church was a demon-possessed damsel who was relieved of the demon, who was a fortune teller. Also, a lady named Lydia and her girlfriend standing and praying on a Sabbath day when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then she opened her home with her husband and said, could we let these three men, Paul and Silas and, and, uh, and Timothy, stay with us while they're in our town? And then the, the Philippian jailer and his family got saved. And that church gave every week. They took a collection, added it up, and found ways to get it to the Apostle Paul. They said, oh, he's good at making tents. That was his occupation. But he's better at giving the gospel out. How about this? We'll work so that he can do what God made him good to do, and we'll do what God made us good to do. It's a beautiful testimony, and God here in the New Testament gives us an example of three precious ladies, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, and many other ladies who took what God made them good at and helped Jesus and his 12 disciples do what God made them to do. And I think it's, it just shows that teamwork makes the dream work. Working together, loving the Lord, finding my role, playing my role, there is great blessing and there is eternal rewards. Even these ladies get their names mentioned here. And for all the eons of eternity, they have got their three names in the written Holy Script. Because of their generosity, what a great testimony. Let's continue in our reading now. Jesus is going to transition. A large group of people are with him now. They're following him. And he tells them the story of the parable of the soil. Let's look, if we can, please, at verse number four. And when much people were gathered together and they come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Number six, and some fell on a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and it did not have depth. Verse number seven, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it choked Verse number eight, and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Seven times in the gospels, Jesus said, if you got ears on your head, listen to what I just now said. He says it eight times in the book of the Revelation. Jesus reminds people, if you got ears to hear what I just said, I hope you'll not let it go in one ear and out the other. God's trying to tell us something. So he tells a story, and some people call this the parable of the sowers. It probably is more the parable of the soil. And that is, basically, it's a story of a man who is going out in the spring like we would be at this time of year, and he takes, he takes seed that he has saved from last year, and he begins to, to spread it out into his field. He said, but some of the seed falls on the roadside. And it's hard soil, and it doesn't find a comfortable place to land or a moist place to land. Instead, birds fly in and take it and, and eat it and fly away with it. 
He said, others of it falls on ground that is fairly shallow on rocks. Rock is underneath it, and there is some soil, and it's put there, but after a while, it grows up, it takes, it takes seed, and it, and it comes up, but then it goes, uh, the, the sun comes, and it doesn't have enough moisture to keep it strong because it doesn't have a good root structure, and, and it's shallow, and it falls on rocks, and it springs up quickly, but then the sun, the elements begin to take it away. The third one was, it, it is, a, it is a, whenever the, the seed is sown, and it grows up quickly, but there are weeds and that come and they begin to overtake it. And when it grows, other things come and overtake it and, and it goes, it doesn't become fruitful. And then some of it, though, falls on good, soft soil. And it grows up and some, it reproduces 30-fold, some 50, and some 100. And some might be a kernel of corn and then it'll make a hundred kernels of corn out of that one. Some of it will, will become very fruitful, depending upon how it is. But he gives that story. Well, and he said, if you've got ears to hear, listen what I just told you from the scriptures. Let's continue reading because he's going to need to explain what is the story. What am I supposed to understand? What am I, what's my takeaway of this? Look, if you would, please, at verse number uh, verse number nine, and the disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? And he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the others in parable, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable of the seed is the, the, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So the disciples, whenever he finishes, said, Lord, can you, I know I'm supposed to have ears to hear this, but I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? He said, you know, when I get a mass of people together, some people have no interest. They just, they're just in it for what they want to do. And I give them a story. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So I just give them a parable because they're really not interested in the truth. They're not interested in the meaning. He said, but for you who are following me, this is important that you understand this. And the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So in this parable, Jesus is the sower. And he sends people out to sow the word of God. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by everyone who gets saved. See, there's two things that are going to last forever. And that's you and the Bible. A hundred years from now, a million years from now, you're going to be still alive in heaven with God or in hell without him. People are eternal. And so is the word of God. The Bible says the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's an eternal book. And he said, in this story, there is a sower, but the seed is the word of God. Let's look and see what the Bible tells us following in verse number 12. Now, those by the wayside are they that hear, that become, and then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, two things, would you read that? Lest they should what? And, very good. So we find here, he says, now the first is those that, that are, I'm sowing the seed out, and the soil is not wanting to receive it. It's too hard. 
It, it is on the wayside. It's trodden down. And whenever the word of God is, is, is given, even in this service right here, there are some people, the word of God's going out, and every one of us are hearing the same things. Those of you on live stream, those of you in the radio, you're hearing the word of God. I'm not up here telling you what I think. We went right to the same Bible. You can read it. You can look at it. I'm not uh, reading different words than you're reading. But we're taking the word of God and we're sowing it. He said, when it comes to the gospel, the seed that brings about eternal life, some of it lands on the heart of someone who has no interest. It's hard and they don't want to hear it. They're not interested in it. And it's very evil. Even though they receive the same seed that the, that the, that the other field is receiving, that it lands on that, and Satan is that bird, if you will, that comes and takes it away. Lest that person should believe and be saved. You know, friends, I don't know everyone in this audience, but here's what I do know. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone is saved the same way, by faith in Jesus Christ. But to be saved, you must understand the Bible. You don't have to understand everything about the Bible, but the Word of God is what brings us faith. And he said, some seed goes out and people are not interested, and it's very easy for Satan to come in to take the seed away, because if, they, if it got down inside of them, they would do two things. They would believe and be saved. He said, the second one, look, if you would please, at the next verse, the Bible says, verse 13, and the soil that is on the rock are they, which when they hear, they receive the word, how? They're happy. Hey, I got saved today. I heard the word of God. I asked Jesus to save me. But these have no root, which while they believe in time of temptation, they do what? Fall away. This is a very disheartening thing. But some people, they come, they hear the word of God, their loved one, their friend tells them how to be saved, and they get so excited. And they say, I want it. And the seed is planted, they receive it, but they don't have root and they don't get to the moisture of the word of God. And when trials come and temptations come, they don't have a root structure. They don't have the root structure. And then when difficult times come, they just fall away. They dry up quickly. And the hot sun of difficulties and circumstances, the first one's taken away by demonic activity. This one is taken away by, by difficulties. Hardships come. And by the way, when God saves a person and they get saved. Now, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of different opinion about whether the person in the, third, in the rock or the person in the, in the cares is actually saved. And I'm not going to fight about that. But the Bible says in the first one, they don't receive the word and they're not, they don't believe and they're not saved. But here the second one, it says they believe it, they receive it. But then trials come. And they don't go to discipleship. They don't, they don't go, they don't give their deep, they don't deepen their roots. They do not understand the Bible. They don't have the moisture of God's word. And then when trials come, they're not, they're no longer productive. The third one, if we look in the scriptures there, let's look at it again if we can, please, and look at verse number 14. 
You know, as I sat, as I think about verse 13, I think about many of my friends who I think that's what happened. They got saved, and they're just as saved as the Apostle Paul. But they just, trials come. And Satan can't take them to hell, but he brings them problems. And they let the problems dwarf them and thwart them from being faithful to the Lord. Dear friend, if you're like that, don't decide, you know what, I'm going to dig deep root systems. I'm going to get in the Bible. I'm going to learn the scriptures. I am not going to be letting the difficulties of life come and keep me from growing in the Lord. The next thing the Bible says in verse 14, and they that fell upon the thorns are they which, when they heard, they go forth, they grow, they hear the gospel, they take the seed of the word of God, but as time goes on, they're choked with what three things? Can you read it with me? With cares, with riches, with pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to perfection. He said the next group is they, they grow a little longer. They, they grow deeper. They got plenty of root structure. But there's three things that come against and become enemies of their soul. One is cares, problems stuff, just business and hobbies and other stuff. And then he says, riches, finances, the pursuit of, of money, and then pleasure, enjoying leisure and pleasure. He said, these things come and, and they choke out the effectiveness. They got saved, they, they grew up strong, but then other things begin to grow up too the cares of this life. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, no man that warreth entangles himself with the cares of this life, but that he may, he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, all of us have this potential. We have the problems and the cares of life. We have profitability. We have finance. We have money on the brain. Every one of us have thought about money already today. I've thought about it. You've thought about it. And it's a competition. The Bible says you can't serve God and let money be your boss at the same time because you'll gravitate. Everyone wants to make decisions based upon, well, I have enough money. And, you know, the, the God of heaven owns everything. He's the one who gives you power to get wealth. And yet, when he gives us gifts, we fall in love with the gift instead of the giver. I've had beautiful people, and they said, boy, God gave us a baby. And now they have a baby, and they can't, they can't be faithful to the house of God. They use that baby as an excuse. Well, we would, but our kids, we would, but our kids. And they fall in love with the gift instead of the one who gave them the gift. Maybe you'll say, you know, I've been single, and I've got married. And then they get married, and they're not faithful anymore. God gave them a gift, and they're not faithful. Oftentimes, he gives us financial blessing. The facts are, the more that God blesses a man or a woman, usually the less percentage they give to the Lord. People will give more when they're making $100 a week than they will when they give $1,000 a week. The more God blesses us, the less we give percentage to his work. Go figure. He said these folks are like those, they just get caught up in the cares. They get caught up in the riches and the pleasures. And then he said there are some, however, they fall on good ground. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. We're looking at verse number 15. And then, but they on the good ground are they which are honest and good what? 
heart. Boy, you got to check your heart, don't we? You get a checkup from the heart up. Make sure our heart is good. Having heard the word, they do what? They keep it. They heard the word and they, they, they obey it. And they bring forth fruit with what? Patience. And patience is strength to persevere. Patience is not just waiting around and sitting around and waiting for God to help me. No, patience is strength to keep on going. And he says, you said when people come with a good heart and they let the word of God come in and then they start being obedient to the Bible. See, God will never bless me past my willingness to obey him. We, we become, my name is Jimmy, take all you give me. I want this, I want that. How come this? I prayed and he didn't give it to me. We don't want to obey, but we want the blessings that come with obedience. You learn to obey God, and then you're going to find with patience and difficulties and perseverance, God will bless you. In closing, let me just, let's read the next two verses. We did not read it with Brother Chip a moment ago, but I want you to see it real quickly. And we do that. Verse number 16. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel or a bushel, but he put it, nor he, or putteth it under his bed. But send, settleth it on the candlesticks that it might be enter, uh, I'm sorry, that they which enter in may see the light. You know, the Bible tells us here, it uses two analogies. So if you have a candlestick, if God lit you up with the gospel, don't let two things cover your candlestick. And this is very real today. The bush or the vessel represents your work. You don't put, don't, put your, don't put your light under the excuse of work. And the bed represents your leisure or your, your vacation. Your, nothing wrong with the vacation, but your hobbies, the things that are just, are just enjoyment and pleasure. Make sure your light shines high. Don't use work as an excuse to let your light shine. And don't let leisure keep it away. The Lord Jesus is reminding us of the parable of the soil. What kind of soil are you? Are you one that you've received the word of God? Some of you may not have truly been saved yet. You need to get saved. You need to believe and receive salvation. If you are saved, determine, I'm going to make sure I dig deep roots into the word of God. I don't want to be falling away. I don't want to be captivated and overwhelmed by the cares and the profitability and the pleasures of this life. I want to land on good soil, and I want to obey the Bible so that he makes me a fruitful Christian. Because in just a few days, we're going to see the God who saved us and who put the seed in our lives to begin with. Let's pray together.